0: Bye. Welcome to 80 Day Masterminds That was like my attempt At like mumble podcasting I, I think it would become really popular i probably really get If
1: podcasting like that Because then everyone would be able to join And have a good time Oh man you're a way better mumbler than me That's because I am a Pseudo professional
0: mumble rapper <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man I don't want to put you on the spot But can you do some mumble rap for me Yes, I'm I'm I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm pseudo-professional, I'm, I'm a fake. Pseudo-professional, pseudo-professional means fake?
1: Well, I'm a fake professional.
0: Alright, hey, welcome to Ooh. ADD Masterminds, everybody, all of you, every one of you, every single one of you that are listening, I'm welcoming all of you. Um. Welcome, you've um, got mail. I'm John Howie, and I'm here with Theosaurus Rex. Woohoo! I'm back. Maybe. Nah.
1: No, I am back, actually. For real.
0: Yeah, it's been a long time. I've always said, oh, well, I'm not going to apologize for it being a long time, because that seems kind of self referential or whatever. But you know what? Sorry, guys, that it's been a while. That's... I was working and stuff. That's a terrible idea.
1: You should never do that again. I would <laughs> yeah. recommend, as a pseudo-professional um, counselor, to not work anymore.
0: No, that sounds like a good plan. Yep. All right. Hey, so um, actually, when I was on one of my trips, I went to the casino with my uncle. I actually just went there to eat, not to gamble. I've done but that. um, That's the best thing know. to
1: do. You get so much better food.
0: So, like, what do, you, what do you think of, like, Christian's gambling? Do you think that's, like, a problem? I think it kind of depends. Like, so I'm I'm okay with.
1: Like, I don't think it's inherently a thin. I think we can definitely go overboard on it, but if that's like the way that you want to, like some people go to the movies, some people they like to be extravagant with like the food they buy. Some people buy games and stuff like that. So if that's how you want to spend some of your money that you just have going, then I don't see an issue with it.
0: Yeah, I guess for me the idea of winning is. Like, well, first of all, okay, obviously the first thing is, like, if you're being a bad steward of your money by going gambling all the yeah. time, that's a problem. Um, there's also the greed end of it, too, right? Um, but the other thing, too, I've always thought of, like, when we talk about, like, lottery and, I guess, yeah, any kind of gambling, really, is where did this money come from? How much of this money came from, like, that dad that should have bought food for his family? Hmm. And so I'm like, it feels like ill-gotten gain to me. Um, but I had this idea. So my idea is, let's say I get like $50 for my birthday, right? Okay. I'm going to take that $50, I'm going to go to the casino. And mm-hmm. my job is, is to spend all that $50. Now, if I spend all that $50 and lose all of it, okay, that's fun. Makes for a great story. Now. Yeah. If I spend that $50, and I go up to $200, and then I lose that $200, well, that's kind of a cool story, too. I'm going to stay until I spent all that $200. Yeah. Now, if I spend that $50, and I end up with $2,000, and I end up losing $2,000, I think that would be a really epic story, because the goal is to walk out with $0. That, that is the
1: exact... Not at all the where I was thinking you were going with that. But <laughs> I don't know, I think at some point if it, it's like you've reached peak epicness because you're no longer like when you go, Oh yes, I won ten thousand dollars and then I just dropped it all on like red twelve <laughs> and I lost it. And then at that point, okay, now now you've stopped being epic and now
0: now no one likes you. Okay, okay, but like, okay, this is the thing though is what really happened is I lost $50. No matter how much I win and lose, I only lost $50. And that $50 wasn't even mine. So really, you know, like I didn't earn it, right? Like I just got right. it for my birthday, right? So it's not even my own $50 that I spent to begin with. It was a $50 that I basically found. So it's just like, what do I have to lose?
1: Yes. I totally. But see, and that's kind of the mindset, like, you know, you watch like the game shows and the people off the game are like, oh, if you go past this level, you may not make it. And it's like, no, go, go past the level. You didn't start with anything. So just go ahead and risk it. Go yeah. for, you know, it all and then go from there. Um, but I just think I don't know that the goal should be leave with zero I think I guess that's my more my issue. Is should your goal be leave with zero or at some point, are you starting to be a bad steward if you won two thousand dollars and then you go and you blow that all?
0: But I still view that $2,000 as, like, whose $2,000 do I have here? Like, how many of these people Jesus. that contributed to these $2,000, how many of these people were people that wasted their money, right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it just feels like ill-gotten gain to me. So that's just – maybe that's just me.
1: Like, if you were to keep it, then you would feel,
0: you'd feel bad? Yeah, i feel bad because I basically – Got that money from people that shouldn't have spent it to begin with, in my
1: opinion. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying the casino had ill-gotten gains. by. Okay. I got
0: you now. Yeah. That said, I would never own a casino. Just seems like a really bad idea. Like, just terrible way for me to make money. You make so much money. I like, you know, I like the idea of making money helping people, doing something for people. You know, like saving their lives, being an industrial hygienist. I mean, it's like a really slow process, but I'm saving their lives. That's true. Like they won't get cancer one day, or they won't lose their hearing one day, or, you know, there's a bunch of different diseases that we prevent, right? So, yeah. That is a good way to make money. So, on what you added on the list, uh, what are dreams? I guess this kind of segues nicely. Now that yes. I said segue, it really segues nicely. Oh.
1: Yes, it just kind of floats. You can't. Anyway. Um so I'm watching uh the, the first the original pilot episode for Star Trek. Oh yeah. And um so the one with Captain Pike and they go on the planet with the Delusions, or whatever the case is. Uh, oh for, uh,
0: yeah yeah. This is before Captain Kirk, right? It's the yeah. other dude.
1: And Spock yells and he smiles at one but it's really really awkward. Uh-huh. Um so he's going in there and like these people can mess with your mind. Mm-hmm. And um can make you you know see things and so The um, Captain Pike is faced with a woman who had. um, uh, Anyway, they're talking about stuff and um, what and so what these creatures are deciding is that the fact that um, our dreams and there's like talking about dreams and everything. And so he's they threw her. I think it was anyway. They say that our dreams are not what we desire and can achieve it's what we desire, but could never achieve. Ooh. And so they've been trying to go in and, and like tempt Captain Pike to do stuff with things that like he could do like, Oh, save the woman. Or this is like a perfect romantic like thing. You've got a wife and 2.5 kids, et cetera, dah, 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 dah. all the right. things that someone could want, but those weren't what tempted him. And what tempted him was the thing that he could never do. um, And those things. And so I thought that was interesting because we think about our dreams and our dreams. Oh yeah. My dream is to be a good musician, or my dream is to be a good writer, and whatnot. Well, right. are those really dreams if we can actually achieve them? And so, I wanted to get your opinion on like what are dreams, and like, do you, would you kind of agree with what they were saying there, or do you do you like have a different kind of opinion?
0: Well, okay, so dreams, I, dreams are different from calling, aren't they?
1: I think so. So because I think you can have a dream that isn't necessarily altruistic in nature whereas i think your callings tend to be more altruistic because they come from god
2: yeah yeah
0: so dreams i don't know i don't think that dreams are always something people don't achieve i mean that said though i think as you achieve your dreams change because you aspire for something Mm -hmm. better so it is kind of like drawing from that well that never satisfies if that's what you're going to do is just continuously chase dreams. Yeah. I don't know. Like, And for me, I've changed a lot on that. Like, I'm just like, what if this is it? And I'm like, I'm good with this being it. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, if something comes around the corner and it's an opportunity, I'm not going to say no to it. Right? right? Like, But... Man, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of dissatisfied people that are continuously chasing dreams. And the point is to never achieve those dreams. <laughs> and they don't know it. They don't know what that's what the plan is. They think that it's like, oh, yeah, oh, well, now I'm going to chase my next dream. And it's like they're always looking forward and never really looking at where they're at.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They don't and have so, a lot of
1: self-reflection because they're always like, ooh, this is the next thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And I think they also, I'm thinking of some people I know in particular that are like that. They're also prone to nostalgia. Mm -hmm. But it's like this satisfaction with where they're at, it seems like that's never there. It's like you're always looking to what the next thing is and then looking, oh, I remember that day. Back in that day, I achieved this and this and this. Yeah, But somehow it's like you can't focus on the moment. I don't know, I think just generally as human beings we need to focus on the moment. It's like God has given us, you know, these opportunities and it's like take that opportunity and do your best with it.
1: Going on with that, like have you do you remember a Goofy movie? Yes. So there is a like seeing that movie as a kid really just stuck with me where like Goofy's like I just want to spend time with my boy. Mm-hmm. and i'm like oh my god my parents are just like this i need to mm-hmm. spend more time with them and value this because that's all they really want mm-hmm. and um so and that's so from like literally from seeing that i my whole outlook on like spending time with family versus spending time with friends versus all this kind of stuff totally changed and um so and it kind of goes in that thing that let's live in the moment because like you know what if something were to happen to my mom at some point you know yeah. at, did I waste that time just going and hanging out with friends or whatever? And, of course, you can go vice versa with, oh, what if one of your friends died? You know, that kind of stuff. But it's just kind of, it that gave me a different perspective that kind of like, say, hey, I need to worry about living in the moment now. I think with cell phones, it can be difficult because you're there, you're you're in the group of people, you're on your cell phone doing whatever, you're tweeting about stuff, and who knows. But, and so I think we got to kind of like go and fight back against that. And just be in the moment, and just like not like, as an example, and then I will stop. Um, I left my I had a doctor's appointment, and I I had to go get a um an ultrasound. I have kidney stones or had kidney stones. I'd get an ultrasound. I left my phone in my house, and so I had to drive all the way to the appointment, go sit in the waiting room for an hour, and all kind of stuff without my cell phone. And I've never uh-huh. done this before, wow. so I just sat in the chair and I just stared at the ceiling and was thinking and listening and praying, and it was. It was a very different experience, and I was like, "Interesting, I've never done this. This is very weird. Yeah. So, And there was wow. this, this little old lady that was like, hey, I like your shirt. And I I wouldn't have even paid attention to her <laughs> if I had my phone.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, we do have a tendency to fill up the gaps with different things, right? It's yeah. like whenever you have a gap. And um, I'm not really prone to like sitting on my phone while I'm having dinner with someone. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why people always complain about that. I kind of wonder like if those people really exist. You know what I mean? Like, cause it's always like, oh yeah, well, families these days, they're always on their phones and never, they don't even eat dinner together without looking at their phones the whole time. And I'm like, I... okay, this might be just, might be a straw man. I think when it comes to, like little kids or
1: little um you know little wee ones, I think that's more something that happens. I say little oh, wee yeah. ones is in like
0: because little kids are boring,
1: well, and they they just they want to be entertained, so they' they were watching their show before you came in there and right. said, "Hey, we're going to have lunch So they want to finish the show or um so it's Plus, I think like, that's, that's a lot more exaggerated than it normally is, sorry, I think that it's more exaggerated. Than it really is, but yeah, I do yeah. think it exists. And you said something about conversation?
0: I was going to say, like, um, having a conversation with a two-year-old or a three-year-old is lame. And so I could see where the parents would be like, yeah, I'm just going to look at my phone now.
1: Yeah. I don't, well, <laughs> I need to go find a two-year-old to have a conversation with. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Most of them can't really hold a conversation, so. Oh, Okay. Hey, so um, I was uh, listening to an interview with Chrissy Metz, who's um, from uh, what's that show called? This Is Us. Um, I know of that show. Yeah, she's the girl that sings, the daughter that sings, the daughter with like. Oh, okay. Anyways, um, but she said something I thought was really interesting. She said that um, you've got to humbly own a room. And I was like, "Wow, that's an interesting thought." to yeah. humbly own a room, um, and it's like, because I, I think they're. I'm not even sure what that means, <laughs> but it's kind of like you walk into the room and everyone notices you, and you kind of set the tone in the room. But yet you have humility, like it's almost like Gandhi walks into the room, and you're like, "Whoa." There's Gandhi. But he's not like, hey, everybody, I'm Mahatma (laughs) Gandhi. He doesn't even do that, right? The moment he walks into the room, people are like, oh, man, what's he going to say now? Right? Right. So, I mean, like, to have that kind of presence, you know, like, and I think that's a very, like, kind of Christian thing, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to walk into the room and have that kind of positive influence, but, like, be humble about it. Right. Pretty cool.
1: I think, like, I remember... Back when I was a kid, um, in youth group and everything, I kind of adopted all, like, the unpopular kids. And mm-hmm. um, so we all would hang out and stuff like that. And yeah, it was just one of those things that, like, so then I would, I would finally get to youth group, and it be later, whatever the case was. Then everybody, like, hey, buddy, hey, how's, you know, all that kind of stuff. they would all wait one night. And so I wouldn't make a big thing or whatever, but because I had built relationships with everyone, it was kind of like, hey, let's see what this guy has to say and all, and, you know, whatever the case was. I I guess I would kind of assume that maybe is kind of it. I wasn't going for mm. all the attention, but because yeah. I had built relationships with everyone, I, I got people's attention and um and you know I I love the people who were the unlovables in the group. And um and so I think I guess I would say that that would be kind of how you would you would humbly own a room
0: mm. because people respect you and um and I don't know. I don't know. I don't, you know, it's interesting. I went to um, 21 Pilots concert um, a couple months ago. And the lead singer, Tyler Joseph, yes, he's Tyler Joseph, um, he was like, he was a, uh, clearly a rock star, but he didn't have like this arrogance about him. Like he's just yeah. kind of nerdy. <laughs> I mean, like there's just things he would say. Like he's like, okay, so whose birthday is it today? And all these people cheered. And then he's like, I don't care. <laughs> and then he's like, This song is dedicated to everyone for whom it's not their birthday. And then they played the song, right? But it's just like he's just so funny, but it's still like he even even saying that I didn't it didn't seem arrogant. It's just funny. Like it was yeah. like I don't know. He was so casual. It was interesting to me. But it's like I I just think there's something about like realizing that it's like my personality doesn't need to speak louder than anyone else's. And, you know, you just kind of show up and you be. And it's like it's being in the moment and not trying to extract things from people, right? Like it's like, oh, I need praise. But it's like it's kind of like true confidence. True confidence is where you give confidence to other people. You don't need anything from anybody else. Yeah, You just kind of walk in and it's like, okay, I'm here to here to help you guys out help me help how are you guys doing yeah i was um thinking about like as people get older i don't know like maybe it's an older generation thing i don't know if it'll be my generation or i think you're a little younger than me or your generation um but it's like this idea that when you get to a certain age you start saying to people i know things about things (laughs) you know what i mean and it's like you're you're trying to talk to someone, and you're like, hey, like I don't. That's not really how that works. And they're like, I know things about things. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to get to that age. Like I just I, I'm a very like kind of open-minded person, and I I want to hear what people have to say and try to understand things from their point of view. So it's just weird to me that people would get to an age, and I I feel like that's a lot of arrogance. But I think obviously it's insecurity too, because it's like these young people don't want to hear what I have to say. But I know things about things.
1: But then on the on the flip side though, I've definitely felt like that myself where mm. it's like, you know, so yes, so I recently took started a, a new position. Um not recently, like eight months, whatever. Yeah. And so the people are like, Oh, well this is your first time being in purchasing. You don't know what's uh. going to teach stuff and it's like, Okay, hold on a second, let's back up. I've done this, this and this trust me on this. I know what I'm doing. I know how to build relationships with people because I've not done it. Just because I've normally been the one selling it doesn't mean that I I don't know how to purchase things on the opposite side. And so I feel like at times I've been like, I know things about things. Just
0: trust me. Leave me alone. <laughs> I know things about things. <laughs> exactly. or, uh, that's the title of this podcast for sure. Okay. <laughs> I know things. it's well, interesting. I don't know. Like For me, it's like I'm... S- what ten years doing industrial hygiene and then I became the contractor at a major company, right? And so mm-hmm. it's like I'm kind of the field guy. And so it's like, hey, can you go do this field work? I'm like, all right, cool. Definitely. And they're just like, Well, you know what I and I'm just like, I'm I'm here to help. Like I, I don't know. I don't feel like my experience gets downplayed it all really but there are like people who have less years experience that are employees at this company right yeah. so I kind of look at them and I'm like yeah that guy's kind of higher on the rungs than I am but You're like, a little babby. I'll help him too <laughs> right? right so I don't know it's well it's like as an example
1: mm-hmm. um so I am so there, my my life has gone like a bunch of weird ways I, and all this kind of stuff so I'm in a, a not I'm not in an entry level position anymore, but I'm in like a mid mid level position. Uh-huh. But like the vice president of um of operations is six years younger than me. My boss mm. is um four years younger than me. Yeah, and so it's one of those things that's like, Ugh. and then the person that I was kind of um whose position I took over because they moved you know in a different lateral position, um she was nine years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole thing where I was like, I know things about things. Leave me alone. I'm older than you. I know these things. <laughs> yeah, like, you don't have to, just because. Anyway, so um, and I think that's very interesting. And some people can deal with it better than others. Like so yeah. for my for the VP of Operation, he is the nicest guy, and he is yeah. he's really down to earth, and he just treats you like with respect and stuff like that. That's so great. the fact that he is like so much like younger than me, I don't even don't even matter to me. It's like, it's interesting because then I can look reflectively like, wow, what have I done with my life? I have all these degrees that mean nothing. <laughs> and um, I'm not, yeah. you know, not like nothing, nothing. So that's a little, um, that's interesting. But I think it also, but I know that he knows his stuff and he, so it's like, yeah, whatever you want, we're going to make it happen, let's do it. So well, and,
0: uh, and I, sorry, this comes back to, to about dreams, right? Because I have friends who have dreams and they yeah. have like, well, I want to do this full-time, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, I want to pastor full-time or I want to do music full-time or, you know, whatever. But here I am stuck in this office job, and it's like, huh. And so there's this dissatisfaction because they feel like they're not where they should be. Um, And I I know, like, I read that book, Quitter by John Acuff, and I think that influenced me quite a bit. I'm looking at it right now. Um, it's in my library yeah I'm sorry have you read it already I have yeah I was thinking about how like okay so he did that work at Auto Trader, um, mm-hmm. doing informational text which he now like can reflect upon and say well that helped me write concisely and clearly because mm-hmm. he was writing these little bits right and yeah. he's like it helped my writing and then it's like when his first book took off Stuff Christian's Life people are like are you going to quit your job and he's like no because he knew that, like, when he was writing his second book, if he quit his job and he wrote his second book, he now would be at the mercy of the publisher, whatever they right. want him to write, so he could actually make money off of it. But for if sure. he kept his day job, he could do whatever he wants, right? Yeah. And so I I know, like, for me, it's like I really, I really love podcasting. It's becoming a big part of what I like to do. I like to have conversations. But, like what i do in conversation i do every day everywhere i go right like right. and so it's it's a part of even my occupation is having these conversations and so it's easy for me to see like even if i don't fulfill you know this dream of doing this full time right Although I don't even I'm not even a hundred percent sure I want to do this full time. <laughs> but you know, like to take it to the nth degree, like oh it'd yeah. be cool to make money at podcasting and just be able to do that all the time, right? And do speaking engagements and stuff like that. I think that'd be fun, right? A D D masterminds right. speaking engagements. Ooh. I don't know what that would look like. But um I would
1: assume it'd probably look a lot like this, except there would be like a two chairs or three chairs, how many hosts there would be.
0: Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It'd be cool to get audience participation somehow. I I don't know. Hey guys, what do do you do you have any questions? Keep that flow going. Yeah. Yeah. But um anyways, but it's like it's like where where does this go, right? Like how does this expand? Mm. And you know, like I'm noticing like even like with the Wax Museum, you know, starting to get some interesting guests. And, you know, every once in a while I'll get somebody that I'm like, Wow, you wanna be on my show? That's crazy, right? And, right. and then, you know, starting to get a little more attention, too. I feel like I'm getting a little more attention on Twitter and stuff like that, right? Ah, and so fair. I'm like, sorry? I I'm just. Yeah. So, so, I mean, just kind of seeing that stuff unfold, it's like, oh, this is interesting. Maybe this is going somewhere. I don't know. But, I mean, if this is all it is, that's fine. Right. Right. And I guess career-wise, yeah, there are some steps I can take. But it's like a matter of having the time and the knowledge you know, to be able to go take the certification test, and then that's how I could further my career, right? So that's something I'm looking into, but I don't know, it's hard when you got so much, so many things on the go. It's like, how do you take the time to take the training and, you know?
1: Absolutely. And kind of going with what you were saying, uh, so my dad has been in computers Forever, and he's mm-hmm. really his big thing. I want to be in full time ministry, and, and the whole thing. Like, yeah, before he he was forced to retire, it was one of those things. Where it's like, you are in full time ministry, yeah. You know, you're just you're at you're at a corporate job and that kind of stuff, yeah. And so he's we've, he's been working on a ministry, and he's been um uh trying to get a web page going on. And yeah. he he admitted to me um yesterday, it's like you know this whole you know WordPress was really weird, and it was so foreign. And, but then I started looking at it like code. And it really started to click and it, just, it became really easy. So I guess maybe that's why I've been encoding for four years, for 40 years. And I was like, aha! And so when yeah. you're talking about with what, um you know, when you're writing me with what Akef was talking about, how, you know, how me short sentences, and it's just like, huh, it is kind of one of those things where God uses everything in it some is. way to benefit us in a way that we may not have realized that going towards our dream.
0: Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So, totally. Um, so, hey, I, I read the book, um, The De- Death of Expertise. Uh-oh. Great book. Um, but uh, he said, like, the foundational knowledge of the average American Watch is out. now so low that it has crashed through the floor of uninformed, past misinformed, on the way down, and is now plummeting to aggressively wrong. Hmm. I think we all encounter those people on the internet, though. You know? Like, the people yeah. who are aggressively wrong. That's crazy. Like, that's just crazy. And I, I think it comes back to humility. It's like, mm-hmm. how do you, if you don't have humility, you're not going to learn. And you're just yeah. going to be aggressively wrong. <laughs> I just like that term,
1: aggressively you're wrong. Aggressively wrong. So I'm going to aggressively hold back my Americanism for a second to so take this and look at this like uh individually.
3: So mm-hmm. okay.
1: now I'm no longer offended because of America. <laughs> I um, like
0: they said American, I'm like Canadians. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. It could be anyone. It could definitely be true about Canadians too. for Canadians. <laughs> We're um, all Canadians.
2: What?
1: Anyway, um I think and I think a lot of that has to do and you know we Maybe it was the wax museum, or it was, um, it was here. Anyway, where we talk about like, um, you know, listening to other people and like kind of learning how to to work with like the other side, you know, whatever that other side is, and yeah. how just listening and showing charity to to yeah. them and their viewpoints and opinions and stuff like that. Because what happens is we, we we're so polarized in all these things, and I think that's part to like a twenty-four hour news cycle, to you know, whether fake news or Using social media or tweets or memes to prove political points—as much fun as that is—it um, you lose a lot of nuance in communication, and then it just it, it all becomes about you got to do the gotcha thing, and um, and then we yeah. surround it, and because we've become so polarizing, we we don't have friends who are like different than us, and I think so. Then yeah. we are all I think that's that that's one of the ways we go from uninformed to misinformed to aggressively wrong because mm-hmm. it comes to where we have to be aggressive in our thing because we've got to shut down the argument because obviously we're right and everyone else is like an idiot.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, it's funny to me, like I just, I, I I find this kind of discussion, like that a lot of the debates that happen online, I like to kind of talk people down and just yeah. like, try to get them to clarify their point to me. Uh-huh. And so it's funny. I honestly don't deal with trolls. Like, really. If I do find someone who's, like, aggressively wrong, I ask them to explain. <laughs> and so it's very rare that I actually encounter somebody who, like, wants to continue to be aggressively wrong. Because hmm. it's just like, I'm, no, I, I genuinely want to know why you're saying this. Um, I also think, I really believe that wisdom is holding the tension between two opposing ideas. Um. I think it's foolishness to just adopt a position that's extreme and not consider the other position that's extreme. Like I I really believe that the truth remains, or the truth or reality really is somewhere in between often with these things. Mm -hmm. But that requires actually holding both opposing ideas in tension.
1: Would you say that maybe understanding both extremes and then then because you understand both extremes you can kind of see okay now where's where does the truth lie in between these two extremes and whatnot or do you think that you have to see and hold beliefs that are held you know maybe that like you hold belief a from side left and hold belief b by side right or can you just understand both of them and then find the truth in there
0: well, I think it's understanding. Like, I I think it's like understanding why side A holds that position. Understand why side B holds that position. Mm-hmm. And you can see really fallacies inside A and fallacies yeah. inside B. You can see truths inside B and truths inside A. And right. so, one of them may be more close to the truth. It's not always like right in the middle that the truth For you sure. know lies. And so. I think it's just, you gotta actually hear it out and kind of tease out the details and understand it. I, uh, you know, this like quest for truth is really interesting. And I was kind of in a debate with a friend on Facebook about this too, because, you know, his default is to kind of say, well, the Bible, the Bible. And I'm like, okay, but like, here's the thing though, like, you're kind of saying that nothing happens outside of the Bible. Mm. Right? And I'm like, I think that's, that's dangerous because now, You know, somebody could say something like, yeah, so scientists have proven that the earth is this many millions years old. And you're saying, well, that's not possible. My Bible says that it's not. And I'm like, well, I don't really agree that the Bible says it's not. But, like, whatever. Right? (laughs) I'm like, I don't really care. But it's like, there's just a lot of things. Like, we got kind of bound into our own theological constructs. And we're like, well, the world can't function outside of that. Therefore, you've got confirmation bias. Where, you know, you're saying in reality, you know, that people are behaving a certain way. But if that doesn't fit with your your theology, then you're like, well, clearly that person's just evil. And it's like, well, no, like this person's actually struggling with this issue. And they're trying to do the right thing right now. Well, the way I read the Bible, we're all just, we're all, we all have total depravity. So we're not trying to find God and i'm like well i'm pretty sure that guy is like can you give him mm-hmm. the benefit of the doubt and kind of meet him where he's at instead of telling yeah. him you're a piece of garbage you need jesus you need to come to jesus exactly the way i did you know and it's like yeah anyways and you know, I actually like, made like, that rant on the wax museum i had uh, logan judy on the wax museum that'll be released the same day as this one oh, and we talked a little I bit about I like, that too. Mm,
1: i don't remember that one yeah so no that one sense.
0: will be released soon yeah by the way, that guy is super smart. Like my gosh. It's like every time I t- every time I mention something he's like, "Oh yeah, that's like uh Thessalonians 5:19." <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> "He's got like a reference for everything." He's like, "I think it's in Galatians 9." I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know. I just know that it's in the Bible somewhere." I know the so. Bible kind of like what you were talking about is um in Rob Bell. Waha,
1: Yeah, we mentioned them finally. Because, <laughs> 35 minutes. Um no, in, in Rob Bell's um Velvet Elvis he talks about, you know, our faith needing to be like a spring and like a trampoline and um how you know if it, if your faith is so rigid and the example he used is could you still be a Christian if you found out that term virgin back then could apply to someone who had um who got pregnant the first time they had sex? And so if that's what they meant by the Virgin Mary and he was born of a virgin. Could you still be a Christian? And um, so there's a lot of theological ramifications with that, you know, that sin nature and all that kind of stuff. But it was one of those things. It's like, you know, we can't be we have to decide what's more important like, is like the beliefs we have important or is what we were taught and raised about those beliefs. Is that more important? And so while I affirm the Bible to be true um, in, in every situation, you know, and that's in, in uh, whatever it's called, infallible, not in whatever. Mm-hmm. It is something that I think we should, um, we need to think about in terms of our faith and say, hold on It's so like for the people who believe, oh, it's total depravity and like through the root of Calvinism, could you be a Christian if you found out that Calvinism was incorrect and there's some mistranslations in there that we've just missed for all these thousands of years? Or if you're on the other side, could you be a Christian if you found out that, you know, there is, you know, that kind of, so it's just kind of, how how flexible is your faith and what is your faith in? And if you can't be a Christian because Calvinism isn't true, or you can't be a Christian if um, uh, Arminianism is it, is, isn't true, are you really a Christian, or is your religion really Calvinism or Arminianism or whatever?
0: I think my biggest fear with all this kind of stuff is like when our politics and our theology causes us to write someone off. Mm-hmm. Like if our theology or our politics is saying that group of people, they don't belong in the kingdom of God. And I know no one's really saying that, but that's what their actions become. Right. It's like, well, that group of people. And it's like, if I only find truth in the Bible, then that means that anybody who doesn't believe in the Bible, everything they speak is untrue. And it's like, well, that's, not true like at all like to go up to an atheist and say you don't really love your child cuz you don't know Jesus it's like really that's what you're going to say <laughs> yeah. like really yeah the, <laughs> i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to join that club like i'm like oh okay so i'm on the outside of this group of people who think that i don't know how to love right <laughs> boy i want to join now right Woo! and it's like i i i think like i don't know it's funny to me because i even like You know, I've been hearing Christians say this over and over again. The world's definition of love is different and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, I think the world knows what love is, but we know a better love. Right. And so what if we say to them, hey, what you have is great, but what about this? Could we expand love in this manner? Right. Right. And so, and I know a lot of this is like, well, you know, the world believes that love involves letting people do things. Mm-hmm. And in Christianity we don't let people do those things, right? right. And it's like, okay, but but, but Christianity mm-hmm. we, we say that like the reason why we don't let people do these things is because that's not what's optimal for them. Mm-hmm. That's not what's optimal for the community. Like God's ways are higher. You know, it's like David saying, I love your ways and it's like it's it's just incredible to me that like David would just meditate day and night on the laws of God. Why? Because yeah. his ways are better. He designed us. He knows what the optimal way to live is.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of like when I was when I read, like, fresh in college, and I read Velvet Elvis, and I was thinking about that, and I was like, huh. If I found out about you know the virgin birth, da da da. Yes, I think I st- could still be a Christian. Yeah, because ultimate, what it comes down to is that that I believe that Christianity holds the best way to live our lives. Day. Yeah. So even if it was the void of all power, which I don't, of course I don't believe, right. um,
0: it's still the best way to live. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's power though, man. Power. Ooh. I was uh reading N.T. Wright and he's talking about the resurrection and how Jesus' resurrection was a physical resurrection and our resurrection will be a physical resurrection and how it's like false theology for us to say, oh no no no, my body is gonna be ditched and then. My soul is going to go up to heaven. He's like, no, oh, that's like Greek mythology. That's not how it works. He's like, there's going to be a physical resurrection, and God's going to create a new world. Like, the earth is going to be renewed. Everything in the earth is going to be renewed. And I'm like, wow. Like, that's better. That's better yeah. than this, like, kind of airy-fairy sky thing going on. We could see the
1: earth the way it should have been and was intended to be in the beginning. Yeah, yeah exactly
0: he will redeem all things all creation that's crazy um sure. so I, I, you had a point here um in the ADD master list why do people want you to be the same when being different clearly has benefits
1: yes um so it and it kind of goes in the way that um you know what you kind of just hinted on it segued very well um so th- there's kind of two two points with it so on the complete segue from before it's the idea that, you know, Christianity is stronger when we're all different and we come from different backgrounds and we not not talking about politics, race, whatever, all that kind of stuff. But like, you know, someone who who really experienced the gods because they were at the bottom and they got to experience God's grace and they got to be brought in and they're like, holy crap. You know, and that's awesome and that's a great experience. And um but then you have another person who maybe found God theologically and never had that, like, I'm at the total worst of the worst part. And I think a lot of times within Christianity, we, you know, person A that I described may be judging person B because, well, are you really repentant? Because you didn't have a time where, where you yeah. were out here crying and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And mm. I think that, um, so in part one of that thought process, I think that's something that we often, um, we assume that everyone has to do things the same way we did, or it's not, like, genuine.
0: Yeah, well, and that kind of goes back to that whole, like, well, you need to forget everything you know now and become like me, right? Like, that's kind of, and it kind of comes back to that, I know things about things, listen to what I have to say, which is such a crappy way to evangelize, right? Right. It's like okay, so meeting people where they're at, like I really believe and I I'm actually gonna be reading a book about empathy that Emmanuel Marsh Emmanuel Marsh um had I, I made a post about empathy and Emmanuel Marsh kinda said like empathy isn't everything. You should listen to this podcast. When I listen to that podcast, I'm like, Oh man, I need to like actually But anyways, I'll go back to my, my thought I started with here. Sorry, that's a little bit of a sidetrack. But um A D D moment. Yeah, totally. So I I was thinking about, it was a bit of a thought experiment saying, okay, so in order for me to navigate someone out of where they're at, so let's say someone is in like an emotional pit or a like moral conundrum, in order for me to navigate them out of it, had I already been in that pit myself at some point in my life, that would be super helpful. Yeah, for sure. Because I can navigate them out of it, right? But the best I can do if I have never been there is to have empathy for that person in that moment, right? And so trying to say, okay, all right, so your dad abused you and now you hate all men and, you know, or whatever, right? Like, you know, whatever after that. But, um, you know, like it's like actually coming to grips with where that person's at right now. And I think where empathy fails is where we look at it on an individual basis and have empathy for one person, but we're not seeing the bigger picture. Yeah. Right? Because now I'm siding with Hitler and saying, well, you know, he had a rough life, and of course he was mad at the Jews because they did this, this, and this. And it's like, okay, no, 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 no. Back off. Yeah. Now how about you – how about you zoom in on one of these kids in Auschwitz, <laughs> you know? But I mean, like, it's got to be contextual, right? But, um, and that's, that's actually, I'm intrigued to read this book. It's like a case against empathy is what the book's titled. And I think it'll kind of reshape the way I look at things because there's very like within, oh, I'm just start getting political here. But within certain groups of Christians, there's a tendency to look at empathy and there's like, even, you know, you look at atheism You know, people say, well, I don't need morality. I just need empathy, Mm -hmm. right? And kind of the Calvinist response to that is like, oh, well, how do you know what's true? You don't know what's true. You need the Bible to know what's true. And it's like, that doesn't work with them. They're like, you're dumb. Shut up, right? But I'm like, I kind of look at this. and I'm like, okay, so if that's the case, if, if they're looking at that and they're saying, well, empathy will lead me down a moral path, I'm like, I haven't had a great argument against that. Well, I'm going to read this book and hopefully I'll have a really good argument for that because it is like empathy without context could give you sympathy for monsters and you could basically get Stockholm Syndrome. Actually, I never thought of it that way, but that actually makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm intrigued. (laughs) But anyways, I think that that's part of it too. And so when we're witnessing to people if we have the empathy and if we're actually able to put ourselves in the shoes of that individual and say, okay, so I'm a Wiccan and I believe in these spirits. Now, how do I navigate from that to Christ? Right? That's more, far more strategic than walking up to them with a banana, great comfort style and say, <laughs> a banana was clearly designed by God. Look how it, I can hold it in my hand. That's oh. my for comfort. Pretty good. Repent and be baptized. Okay.
1: Boom. There you go. Now you've saved everyone who's listening to the podcast.
0: Hey, have you ever joined a protest?
2: <laughs> uh, Yes. I protested protesters. Ooh. Yes. Okay. They
1: were. Uh, they would be, Is it this was going to get a political in nature, though.
0: <laughs> okay. All right, so um, I was actually, I was an, on college campus. Um, I didn't really understand what was going on. Our professor said, hey, there's a protest going on, and um, it's all about tuition fees and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, you can join it if you want to. So me and my buddy Richie were like, yeah, let's join this protest. And I'm like, cool. So we were like walking around, and the, and the crowd is like going around chanting, freeze the fees, freeze the fees. And I look at Richie and I'm like, what are they saying? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, I think they're saying we suck beans. (laughs) So we went around and we were chanting, we suck suck beans, beans. we suck (laughs) beans. And the people like in front of us were just cracking up laughing at us. It was quite funny.
1: Awesome. That's kind of (laughs) what we were doing when we were protesting the protesters. (laughs) We're kind of just going there and like, kind of saying it and like, just going like, and we'd be off, because, you know, there's always in that thing, like, hey, hey, ho, ho, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And so we would be just off that we were being poor rep. Anyway, it was, it was interesting.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Protesting was a big thing. I, well, maybe it still is. But, like, I remember protesting was such a big thing in the 90s. It was, like, all these teenagers going off protesting. <clears throat> and I'm like, I never really understood it. Hey, so you said uh, primitive emotions can keep them out. Oh wait, okay. So primitive emotions, you can keep them out, but how long can you keep up the hate? You can't keep it forever. So, yes.
1: Um actually you were reading it right the first time. Oh, was It's okay, okay because it's it's odd. <laughs> so, in this episode of Star Trek, uh uh-huh. the, um, the 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 people whatever they were, if they started with T whatever it was, they would they had they were so far advanced they could go in there and read your mind. But what they couldn't deal with it was primitive emotion. So the girl was telling Captain Pike Primitive emotions can keep them out, but how long can you keep up the hate? Because he was like, I'm gonna hate them so much, and you know, all this other kind of stuff. And um, so it that was but how long can you keep up the hate? You can't keep it up forever. And I was thinking about the fact that there are some people so first of all I find that to be true, um, because you can't keep that intensity and that rage that you may have like over and over and over again. But then there are people who just like their whole life is just fashioned around like hate or revenge or whatever the case is and it's one of those things that like that's like what they live for and then they eventually get it and it's like kind of like in the princess bride with Diego montoya you know he's he's like what are you gonna they're like what are you gonna do and he's like i don't know i've spent my entire life trying to find the six-fingered man
0: yeah and it just
1: made me think about like you know how long can we keep up whatever these we're we're not designed to do that and and because and and i think that We're not designed to keep up with these primitive emotions and, like, have them going consistently. And I think that's evidenced by the fact that we can't do it.
0: Emotions are, like, kind of something I've been obsessed with for a while here. Just trying to understand them. And I I read this book by Mark Manson. Mark Manson is the guy that likes to put F-bombs in the titles of his book. So, yeah, so, like, the um, subtle art of not giving uh, something... Oh, that guy. Yeah. And then he wrote this book. It's like Everything is Something, a book about hope. And the book was so good. Like the first half of the book was so good. I was so on par with it. I actually told him this on Twitter, and he liked it. So, But I was like, the second half, I was like, it kind of lost me because I'm a Christian. Um, yeah. But um, what I thought was really interesting in there um Actually, coupled, I got, I got two stories with this one. Well, <laughs> the pastor it. of Mosaic Church um, in L.A. In LA. <laughs> L.A. I was going to say language arts. <laughs> Los language Angeles, arts. right? Um, yeah. he was. I heard him interviewed, and I, I may have talked about this to you before, but I'm gonna, it's worth repeating, I think. Um, mm-hmm. He said that when you are stressed, when you are anxious, it is your amygdala that kicks in. Right. Yeah. And it's fight or flight. Like it's just your brain just basically simplifies all thinking processes into fight or flight. Right. And he said that like, if you want to kick in the creative part of your brain again, so the what is it, prefrontal cortex? I think I don't know. I'm not a brain Something. scientist. But anyways, the rest of your brain. If you want to use the creative part of your brain, you need to use gratitude. Gratitude is a lubricant. That basically kicks you back into your creative part of your brain, the bulkier brain where you're thinking logically, and then you're able to navigate yourself out of that situation because you're like, oh, okay. Well, here's what I've done before, or mm-hmm. this is maybe I'll back up here, and instead of just fight or flight, you you can come up with more complex algorithms to get you out of the situation. Yeah, I like how I just threw the word algorithm in there. But anyways, um, so. Reading uh, Mark Manson's book, he tells the story about this man who had a tumor in his prefrontal cortex, mm-hmm. and so he had to get it removed. So a lot of times, you know, when we talk about like facts don't care about feelings, we're like, okay, well, no, that's awesome. Like to be able to use, you know, your the rest of your brain and not being using that stupid prefrontal cortex, like that's awesome, right? Now you're like. You're like Dr. House. You don't have any emotions. You can just make rational decisions all the time. So, this dude gets that part of his brain taken out, right? Returns to work, and he's like supposed to be like meeting with a client, but instead, he spent all day buying a stapler for his office.
3: Hmm.
0: And it's like, well, that's curious, right? Yeah. And so, what it turned out is that without your prefrontal cortex, you can't really prioritize. He actually lost his wife. He lost... And basically, they kept doing like brain tests on him. I'm like, no, nope, he's got normal cognitive functioning. So his brain was working fine, but the problem was he didn't know how to prioritize things, so he could not make decisions. Therefore, whenever you're evaluating things, you're actually using your prefrontal cortex, which means you're actually using your emotions. So when people say well, they're just making an emotional argument. It's like, you are too. We're all using emotional arguments. Whenever you're prioritizing one thing over another, you're using your emotions.
2: That is very interesting.
0: It is, because I think what happens a lot of times is we have people saying, I'm being rational, they're being emotional. Right. And when you have that kind of dichotomy going on, it's... (laughs) you think that you're the right person, right? So the the person that's being emotional is saying, that person's not being empathetic. The right. person that's not being empathetic is like, well, those people are being emotional, I'm just being rational. But it's like, really, in reality, you're both using emotions maybe in different ways. Yeah.
2: Well, so, like, one of the things
1: that kind of brought up the whole thing about how being different clearly makes like benefits, let's jump back to that one or whatever, but... Mm-hmm it kind of goes, um, one of the things that, so we're in busy season, peak season at my job. And, um, the person who used to have my position is very much a, if there's an issue, you know, freak out, um, stop everything. We've got to figure out what's going on. And, and I, I can't deal with this. I want to go out and smoke type thing. And then they'll come back and they will try to figure things out. I am not at all like that. I am a, okay, there's, things terrible things going on so let's see what are our options okay i've contacted everyone i can contact i've tried to get thing and i'm waiting for a reply back so i can't do anything further so i'm going to go ahead and work on something else
2: yeah exactly. and i'll wait for
1: it to get replied back and yeah. so what it's being shown as like oh well you don't have any kind of sense of urgency well yes i do because i've but i've done everything because i'm not like freaking out and so i've had to um, what i've had to argue is like so Or what I've had to argue has been, you know, the way that my brain works, I cannot get all flustered like this. I won't be able to think about some of these out-of-the-box situations and whatnot because I'll just become overwhelmed with things. I have to keep cool, and I have to do this, and I have to not seem like I'm freaking out, even though internally, my mind is freaking out just externally. I'm just like, okay, well, I can't do anything about that currently.
0: Well, and it's kind of like you've done everything you could. Now you're going to occupy your brain with other work, so you're not dwelling on that issue. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to cope. I think it's better than smoking. Like less cancer that way.
1: I would agree. Just but saying. it's one of the. But it's kind of like what you're talking about in sense that like we we process things differently. We do in the way, and so like, and so yeah. while it may not be may not seem emotional on my end, based on what you're saying, it's is being emotional in end whether or not we're exhibiting those emotions
0: yeah exactly exactly and it's almost like when you are at a head with someone and they're saying well you're not being empathetic instead of saying well no i'm just being logical and we need to be logical about this it's like no 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 here's where my empathy is placed right now it's placed Mm -hmm. here right i am looking at this part And maybe I'm looking more broadly than you are. You're looking at this one part. I'm looking empathetically at what's best for the whole group. Right. And you see that. (laughs) Right? Because it's like you're... I think, you know, there's just... It's so easy to get focused on the wrong things. And I've posted this on Twitter before. I'm like, what if we're concerned about the wrong sins? Yeah. Because I think it's so often that... We're just like railing against society's doing this, oh society's getting worse and worse and worse, and yeah, society's getting worse in some ways, but it's also getting better in other ways, so I kinda i don't know I think we I think society stays flat in a way because it's like well there's less there's less war and killing right now, so that's good, but man, we're doing some weird things. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Um hey, so I uh, I read this somewhere, take care of your emotional wake. Um and it was kind of like kind of like a boat analogy, right? Like when you have a boat and it creates a wake, like those waves. And it's like I think I think it's easy for you to come into the room, have your big blow-up session and not really think about like how it's affecting everybody around you. Yeah. Sure. And it's We're kind of responsible for that, aren't we? I
1: think, um, example, with the, um, the person I said at work who, you know, goes, you know, has their freak out thing and then goes, you know, on a, um, smokes and other kind of stuff. Like, there are, there are times where it's like, okay, well, this person is doing, is having a moment, so everyone needs to back off and like, whole room's kind of like, that becomes really awkward. That's an emotional wake right there, yeah. Yeah, and so um and I don't think they necessarily understand the effect that they have um on things. So and it's it, no. so it's interesting. But I think you can also have the opposite effect where you have someone who's like dead to their emotions, like you know, Mr. Spock walking around and doing things, so then everyone's laughing all happy and then this person walks in and is just like, Hello and then like everyone's kinda like dies and they have like a lack of emotional weight. Awesome.
0: Yeah. True. Dead in the emotional wake. But man, you could get a lot of things done without that emotional wake, hey. Yeah. <laughs> hey, when you hear the term bio break, I don't know why, but I always think poop.
2: Okay.
3: It just doesn't sound
0: like pee, man. Like it sounds like poo to me. Hey guys, we're gonna take a bio break. I'm like, really? All of us? Like all of us? There's only like four stalls, man.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna go take a bio break real quick. <laughs> what <laughs> since I'm assuming since you brought this up, it doesn't actually mean that. What, what does it mean?
0: It just means like I guess bathroom break for everybody. Oh wait, is that really like that's legit like what it is? It is it is a bathroom break, I think. Maybe it's like, get up, have a drink. Maybe it just involves all biology. Maybe that's what it is. It's a general term. But I don't know why. I just, my mind just goes straight to poop. I'm just like, this, yeah.
1: This must be like a Canadian thing.
0: Maybe it is. <laughs> Everyone press F for the chat.
2: Hey, time for a bio break, eh? <laughs> exactly. Make sure you close that stall door, eh?
0: That's my American doing a Canadian accent. Pretty good, hey? Eh? Yes. Yeah. Hey, so I, I was at uh, the store with one of my kids, and uh, there was this guy, and he's like, yeah, I played some ball this weekend. And I was thinking, oh. you know, it's funny to me how like, there's a difference between playing ball and playing some ball, whatever, right? right. I was thinking, you know, you know, it'd be hilarious if you just assumed that meant ping-pong. I was playing some ball this weekend. It's like really. I didn't, I didn't know your kids were that much into ping pong. Like,
2: we could. We have to like we have to start a movement
1: where we're like redefining some of the things. <laughs> yeah. And like where we're just like okay, you know what? Whenever we hear people talking about, um, playing some ball, we got to get like boom. Now we're going to talk we're, oh ping pong, really. Tell me more about this. What
0: <laughs> It's kind of, of fun actually. I, I I think I said that to somebody once they were like, "Yeah, I've played some ball this weekend." I'm like, "Ping pong?" So yeah, <laughs> guys, guys, when you when you get asked that, please do that, okay?
1: Yeah. And ladies.
0: And ladies. Yes. And For people. People
1: in that word.
0: Roger you play a call. And Zipo. No. Um Okay. <laughs> <I'm> <back. laughs> Zipo. Love it. Okay. Sorry. Um yeah, actually, you know that reminds me too. Um when I I had a Filipino friend and she's like, I'm Filipino, and I'm like, No, 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 it's Filipino. And she laughs so hard at that. So every time somebody says they're Filipino, I just have to do it. Hopefully they all find it funny. I don't know. So um so this Mark Manson guy listening to his interview, he actually um is writing a book for Will Smith. I don't know if it'll have F in the title, but, um, but basically, um, he said that like in hanging out, well, first of all, actually, what was really interesting is it's like, why does Will Smith have you writing a book? Like he can't write his own book. And he said, well, people expect world-class work from me. And he's like, I could not write a world-class book. I can make a world-class movie, but I can't make a world-class book on my own. So I'm going to bring someone in that can make it world-class. I was like, "Wow!" Ooh,
1: that's really
0: interesting. That is very interesting, considering some of his movies really suck. But I
1: don't know who you're talking about.
0: <laughs> I didn't see that one that he did with his uh, son, After Earth, but it wasn't supposed to be good. I didn't see. Actually, I liked. Was it good? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also did not see um that superhero one, all the bad superheroes, squad something.
1: Something
0: oh, squad. um Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. I didn't see that. I heard that was terrible.
1: I mean it kind of depends.
0: I like his movies. So maybe yeah. they're world class. I don't know. Ooh. I just I'm not sure what to like.
1: <laughs> you have to Apparently like I'm not
0: allowed to like Mick nickelback, so like whatever, right?
1: Whoa. <laughs> yeah, you gotta watch out there.
0: <laughs> okay. So the other thing Mark Manson had said he learned from Will Smith is bite off a little more than you could chew which sounds so counterintuitive, right? It's like, don't ever do that. Why would you ever bite off more than you can chew? Well, it's a little more than you can chew. Think about all the times you've been in a situation where people, and I've been at this situation at work, where it's like, can you do this? And I'm like, "Uh, no. Oh, because I promised the client you could. And then I go Google it, figure out how to do it, and I do it. And it's like, whoa, I can do it. That's crazy. This is the best. So the point was, like, it's like, do that. Like, actually overcommit just a little bit, and you will rise to the occasion. And I'm like, that's really interesting. It sounds like bad advice, but it really isn't. If you want to aspire to do more, start committing to a little bit more.
2: Hmm. Oh, well.
1: <laughs> now I'm I'm like thinking of like eight different things. Like my sister's a um, a teacher, and that's kind of the big thing that like um, she's right now. Nice. She teaches second grade, and it's like okay, we got to get these like tests, you know, whatever it is. I need to teach just above their level so that they can rise up to it. Versus kind of the other train of thought, which is we got to find out who where is the lowest level person, and we got to make sure we're teaching at their level. That way, we don't leave anyone behind. As opposed to challenging them. But mm. it, there is that balance because if you go too high, then they're just gonna get overwhelmed.
0: So Well that's the problem though with applying things to the masses, right? Like if you're yeah. as an individual you can do that. And I mean there's a psychological term in educational psychology. Um they call it the zone of proximal development. And so there's kind of a zone that you can push a kid in. Right? Mm. And so yeah. you need to you need to find what your zone of proximal development is. There's there's a certain amount that you can aspire to, and then it's like, it's like bend but not break. I guess it's back to that, right? Yeah. Interesting, though. Like, you never know until you put yourself into that situation. So you got to right. start putting yourself into some of these situations that it's like, well, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And it's like, well, that's good. Like, that's actually where you should be. I think that's right. why stress at work is good, because it's like, you know, can be good, because you're actually doing things that are a little out of your comfort zone but actually you surprise yourself at what you can do. So maybe face some challenges that you normally wouldn't.
1: And then you will fail and get fired. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I swear I could do this, like brain surgery, you know?
1: Yeah, so it's worth I'm good.
0: Um, I was thinking about uh, giftedness. Um, I was actually, I was playing bass at church, and I was thinking, you know... I don't think just anybody can come up and play the bass. Like, it's like you know where to play the notes. Like, you just know. Like, I'm sure you can teach some of it, but there's some musical things that are just giftedness. And I'm thinking, when you talk about giftedness, often, you know, I want to go like straight to like, oh, that person's really smart if they're gifted. But I'm yeah. like, there's so many different ways to be gifted. And it's just yes. stuff you're born with and you're able to do in ways nobody else can. Yeah. And that's back to the like, we don't want everybody to be the same. Like, we're all parts of, of the body, we all shine right. in different ways. And so I don't like, I just feel like it's important that we can recognize the giftedness in someone else. And mm-hmm. I don't want. To just use the word "gifted" for the smart people, right?
2: Um, I think. Oh, yeah. No,
1: you go ahead. In uh in one of my podcasts, I was talking about music, and mm-hmm. about how like God designed us to be different. And um, there's a, a train of thought where, you know, like your life and you know your surroundings like that is part of a song, and you are a note that is individual and that is the only like. You are that note, and if you try to be something different, the whole melody and everything is going to be like off. Right. And I think that that really goes in with the giftedness part and about being different and embracing that different. Um, because if you, if, if God wanted you to be like somebody else, and He would have made you like somebody else, but He made you like who you. And I think that's something that some of Christians have a unique claim on that type of thing because we can say, well, God created us this way, and God created you that way, and God created me this way. And, um, you know that we don't have to try to be like somebody else, and because who we are yeah. is, is okay within reason, of course, because you know if you're you know when we are when we are doing what we are called to do and who and being that who God made us, not who the world is saying we should be or, and not through like sin and stuff like that then then that's awesome, and that's we're contributing something that nobody else in the universe can contribute
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I I think that was a realization for me, you know, because I saw people serving in ways I wanted to serve. And I'm like, how come that person is getting that and I don't? And um, I think, you know, like through the years of like realizing, oh, well, maybe I'm not gifted in that way. (laughs) It's like, oh, okay, well, I'm gifted in this way. And it's like I'm kind of to the point now where I'm like, what I do, I'm like, I don't think there's anybody that does exactly what I do. So. Cool. Right. I don't need to compare myself to anybody. <laughs> I'm just going to be the best version of myself as I can, right? Woo. Right. Yeah. And that's not like one of those things where it's like, everyone is super special
1: in their own way. Right. And like in the sense where it's like, well, we're going to just excuse the fact that you don't have any real talents and we're just telling you this so that you're fine. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the thing of like everyone is unique. Yeah. And everyone is different and God designed us to be that way.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so one thing I thought was really interesting in Death of Expertise is he was talking about how, like, when you have someone who's like a doctor, right, people are like, oh, this guy's really smart with medicine, right? Yeah. That doctor, when he starts talking politics, people treat him as if he's a doctor in politics, too. You know what I mean? And so they're like, well, this guy's really smart. He wouldn't talk with authority about something he knows nothing about. Well, you know what? In reality, experts have a tendency to go outside of their subject area and treat it like their subject area. And so they will take what they know about being a doctor and apply it to politics or apply it to education, which is completely false. Like, you, you're you not an expert in this area. Stop pretending that your expertise yeah. applied to it, right? And I was like, that's really interesting because, like, I, I think that there is a danger when we start telling doctors, no, I Googled my symptoms. I know what I <laughs> have. You shut up now. What do I you have know? Cancer. And it's like, dude went to school for like eight years. He knows. He's got to know something you don't know. Like, that's ridiculous. I know um, things about things. Yeah, I know things about things. Um, but like, basically, there's like, um, I don't know why, where this term came from, but it was from the book. A hedgehog is an expert in one area. And a fox knows a little bit about everything. Hmm. So what happens, like, is if you have a hedgehog, that hedgehog really needs to stay in their lane. Right. But a fox can kind of right. dabble right. in everything. And they can, they can speak with some authority on hmm. just about everything. I'm like, that's interesting to me because I've, I've been frustrated for myself that I'm not really an expert on you know, very many things. But sure. I've dabbled in so many different things that I know a little bit about everything, right? And it's like, I guess part of it too is you kind of keep humble with your um with your knowledge level. Like, I'm not going to speak with authority on a whole lot of things. And I'd be like, I'm going to pull the Jordan Peterson, as far as I can tell, <laughs> right? And, it, you know, with a lot of things. And it's like, but it's like, it's better to be that way. Like, according to this book anyways, it's better to be that way than to be like, Be expert in one area and then apply it to everything because that's just ludicrous,
1: right? Because being a, as an using the example of a doctor as an example, you know you've got to be able to make those decisions and everything is supposed to work in a certain way and that's just not the way that it works. Like it's like medical doctor versus like a um like a psychologist, yeah, whatever. Because you know we may not we're not supposed to operate in the same way. And I think that there's a um, there's also there's a very interesting point as well because we've got the um, well that's one of the reasons why I, uh, politics and religion so I can be an authority in both areas if I have degrees to say so and uh, yes
2: but I think
1: that uh, you know things thing about that, things so it, oh oh things my goodness things. yes I know things about things I think that's something where we really um struggle with is like because um and especially in like the not getting political but in like with the media and the way that things work like oh well this person's a funny comedian therefore we should trust what they say about this or this person's an actor we need to trust what they say about this. Well, maybe maybe not. Maybe we don't know as much about this. In the same way though with Christianity, so yes, you are a you you've studied Christianity, you are a Christian pastor, whatever. You probably don't know everything that you think you know about a different religion or about economics or whatever the case is
0: yeah for sure for sure well and part of me wonders like are we at some point going to be held accountable for everything we spoke with authority on
1: well, that's terrifying
0: <laughs> yeah well it's like so what am i speaking of with authority on because man i look at social media there's a lot of people speaking with authority and i'm right. like that is whack because like what happens too is like if you're a pastor Got a congregation that believes you have authority in everything mm-hmm. you're saying, so there's right. things like you really should not be telling the crowd. Um, but you no, know, it's like, and I, I was thinking too about like the wisdom of crowds. That term, wisdom of crowds, and I, I guess that's what democracy is based on, right? But mm-hmm. I'm like, so there's the wisdom of crowds, but then on the flip side, there's the stupidity of groupthink, and I'm like, huh. I mean that's quite paradoxical, right? Because right. we know that group thing can be so stupid.
1: It can be very damaging for sure.
0: And I'm like, I don't understand how crowds can be wise.
1: Well, speaking of Will Smith, go back to the original Men in Black. Uh-huh. Um, there's that one line that Jay says, and he's like, you know, the guy's like, why don't you just tell everyone that you know you guys exist and whatnot? And he's like, people are smart. And, he's, and Jay's like, no. A person is smart. People are stupid, <laughs> and I think that that kind of fits in the you know the thing where there's there's the Bible says in in multitude of counsel there's wisdom, but then you've also got like the group think and the fact that people in general don't know everything they think they know, yeah. and that's why I think that when you when you specify like when you go to get counsel from certain people and do certain things and um, you know you can go and say okay I know this person like if I'm let's say a, a marital stuff or mar- marriage issues or having issues with my wife, then I'm going to select people whose marriages that I can trust and look up to and stuff like that. And if I go and pick five of those people, in that case, they're in the multitude of counsel, wisdom. But if I just go to a group of people, some people who are married, some people who have terrible marriages, some people who maybe aren't even married at all, you know, and try to get that marital advice, then I think that's where we get into the groupthink or the stupidity of um of just people in general. is
0: Um, We don't know. You know, kind of interesting though, because I was thinking kind of the opposite actually. So here's the thing Groupthink is where everybody's thinking the same way, right? Um, I think the wisdom of crowds is based on an idea of having a diverse group of people. And then eventually the majority rules, and hopefully the majority has more wisdom than the minority. (laughs) Right. You've got the fringe people. Right. Um, And so I was actually I was listening to this podcast. They were talking about um, basically applying different. I guess it was disasters, really, man. It all blurs. I listen to so many podcasts, but um, they were talking about this situation where there were these um, planes, these airplanes that um, some of them got shot down. Some of them survived. Right? Some of them did not get shot down. And they looked at the bullet holes on the ones that did not get shot down. And um, they said, like, where are the bullet holes? And they said, these are the vulnerable spots where they're shooting. Right. And it took someone a while to realize, no, we should be looking at the bullet holes on the ones that were actually shot down. Because those are the bullet holes that take it down not the ones that got hit on the one. You know what I mean? So the the plane that survived doesn't tell you where the bullet holes are that would kill the plane. Yeah, The one that actually fell. So if you're talking about marriage advice, having people that have successful marriages, um, it may be kind of that situation where you have kind of like this person who's like, yeah, man, I walk across the street every day with my eyes closed and I've never gotten hit by a car. It's like, okay, well, that's good advice then. You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe having people who have successful marriages and having people with failed marriages may be beneficial because that person who had a failed marriage could say, well, these are the things that went wrong.
1: That's true. Uh, so then I guess it's, so we'll augment my statement just a little <laughs> bit. And yeah. you go to um, wise people you can trust with regards yeah. to that. So yeah. maybe it's not you know, just be so, so actually to pull back on clarify further. It's not the matter of um people who it's not whether or not they're in a successful marriage at this time. It's oh no, oh no, it just flew away. It flew away from me. <laughs> oh, it's the worst thing ever. Um but it's about it's about the um the individual and who are you going to. You know, are you going to the person who Oh, sorry. Okay, okay. I came back. I have it again. We shouldn't disqualify people because they're in a less than optimal situation. Yeah, absolutely. right. And so, and I think, and that's what I, I think. I want to. I kind of step back from a little bit. Is that we're not just because you may you may not be in a good relationship or whatever the case is, or being in a good marriage or your marriage failed. That shouldn't disqualify you from being able to give good advice. But I think so. But I think I was correct in the part where saying we well, should pick and choose the people.
0: Yeah, almost definitely. Because, I mean, there are people who are completely unwise that have a failed marriage. I mean, obviously. I mean, that was kind of what you wanted to avoid to begin with. Sorry? Yeah, and
1: people who are still married who have terrible marriages
0: and are um, unwise. There's people who have great marriages that are unwise and just lucked out. So, I mean, you kind of have to sort through it. I think, like, being discerning about the kind of people you get advice from is huge. Yeah. And, man,
1: they have a discernment blog you probably shouldn't listen to.
0: They have a discernment what?
1: Blog. Probably yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Totally. Hey, I was thinking if I ever like sell like Christian merchandise, I wanna sell like a prosperity doctrine shirt that says more <laughs> blessed than you. Oh my goodness. Wouldn't that be awesome?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm the most blessed person here. You know that's and what you do is you charge an an, an inordinate amount of money for it. And then you become, you gain prosperity from your prosperity label of stuff.
0: Oh, man. Like, just, yeah. You can, maybe what you could do is just keep up at the ante for, like, how fancy the shirt is. Yeah. There's, like, one that's solid gold. Most blessedest. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, so, um, I got the new Acme Laser Mouse. And you actually are able to set it to different, um... Laser settings. Um, There's actually just regular kind of tracking where you can, like, move the thingy. Mm -hmm. And then you can, like, flip it up to stun in case you need to use it as a weapon. I know you Americans love your weapons. Yes. Um, Yes. And then there is actually a kill level. Um, I'm actually putting a hole through my wall right now as we speak it's it's quite silent though it's
1: I was about to say that is yeah. so would you say that it's silent but deadly,
0: yeah, yeah, kinda like kind of like a fart
1: <laughs> well,
0: I think we're out of time here, um, thanks for listening all you a d d minions
1: I, mean, I guess yeah. not on my minions I would guess,
0: but uh, um. Minions. I think you're pretty much a regular here, buddy. Woohoo! <laughs> Anyways, Anyways, um, yeah, check us out on Twitter. You know how to spell it. Check it us out on Facebook. Just look it up in the search bar. You'll find it. ADD Mastermind. And follow St. Theosaurus Rex Ooh. on Twitter. Yes. And at Johnny Howe.
1: Do it, do it. If you don't do it then then god you can't be more blessed than other people <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right catch you on the flippity floppity
3: you